I'm Susan McDowell. I'm Ayushi Roy. And you're listening to The Move. I get to start out every week saying, hi, Ayushi. <laughs> Are you getting tired of it yet, Caesar? <laughs> I'm not getting tired of it, but you know what? I'm going to, you're going to have to like share the space because with us today, we also have our, our wonderful producing engineer, right, Dave. So, hello, Dave, hello. how you doing? I'm doing so good. It's so good to be on mic with you guys. I'm usually sitting <laughs> quietly in the corner, just sitting with my mouth open, totally in awe. So this is fun. Nobody puts Dave in the corner. <laughs> uh, Dave puts Dave in the corner usually. Dave puts in the corner. So, uh... This has been a ride for us. What a season. Yeah. You know, our first season out the box, it's been incredible. Mm-hmm. Lots of really fascinating people. Amazing people. It's, it really is amazing. And it's. Yeah. I, I think if there's one regret I have is that we couldn't have them all in the room at the same time. Mm-hmm. I just think that would be pretty, that'd be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. They'd have to throw a gala or something. <laughs> Be the ultimate panel right there. The ultimate panel. Mm-hmm. The ultimate panel. And you know what else? Which is really interesting. So, like, I have our website up right now, kind of looking at it, and I'm looking at all the index cards. It's a good-looking crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's not why we picked them. I promise, not why we picked them. I'm glad they don't have my photo up there. I would have messed up everything. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> uh, but it's great. It's great. Yeah. So, how you doing, Aisha? I'm very well. I'm very excited about this. Well, I'm, you know, I'm excited, but I'm also, wow, it's an ending in some yeah. sense. Or a transition. A transition. Shouldn't say anything. Transition. transition. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we started out with this whole idea that we would bring these folks on to kind of talk about all these different design principles. I think I've learned a lot, actually, about something, yeah. you know, that I put out there in the world, this whole notion of these kind of eight ways of thinking about designing you know, public spaces and civic engagement. Yeah, how does it feel to have, you know, put this information out in the world and all of a sudden receive this amazing group of people that are working on these things and hearing from them? How does that feel for you? Well, a lot of it is just so affirming. Mm. And then the other part of it is, it's not until you really put stuff out and see people who are working with it on the ground Mm. to see how they reflect that back. And you realize there's just so many nuances, so much nuance to this work. And so I may have, you know, this concept of design for the margins, right, which was our first first show, and Mm -hmm. really kind of thinking about how important it is when we're creating these public spaces to, you know, first think about people at the margins and make it work for them. And then, you know, and then Sasha just comes in and starts talking about, yeah, but you got to design for justice. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's, if you're designing for the margins, then you got to put justice at the front end of it. Right. And, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. So that just that piece, and I think the other part for me is just realizing I've been kind of holding these like eight categories, mm-hmm. knowing that they all kind of work together. But what you got, I think, from everybody we talked to is just no one's working on one of these things. They're working on mm-hmm. all of them, three or four of them, different combinations of them, yeah. trying to mm-hmm. make things work. Yeah. No, I think some of my takeaways were definitely about the collective nature of these design values. I mean, I think it's really helpful to think about them as being separate just for the sake of understanding that there are all these almost like eight aspects to each concern that we tackle. But once you begin diving into the way that each design values are approached or worked with, worked against, you know, you begin to realize 
how much of it is not only collective in nature, but actually depends on this sort of human undercurrent. I think that's something that really struck me across the episodes was the very intentional, almost relationship building and trust building aspect of each of these values that is necessary to be able to tackle what's at the margins, what's, you know, what healing means, what systemic change means, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that was just very eye-opening for me <laughs> as someone coming in with, you know, not being the author of all these design values, but more sort of the, the student perspective, the student voice. It was really eye-opening for me. Totally. I, I kind of saw myself as the double student here because I'm sitting here <laughs> listening to the two planning, in my eyes, you guys are the planning experts, and it goes so much deeper than planning. And I love what you just said, usually about how it comes back to human relationships and that human aspect. And I keep mm -hmm. coming back to Dejan's episode and how, mm. you know, what kept getting in the way for him and his way of getting around that was just being present with people. Right. I mean, that just rang so true for me. And it made me rejigger my entire perspective on what this season was about. It's about human relationships and how do you bring in that aspect of justice? Mm. You build that, right? You build those human relationships. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I will never forget from, from talking to Dejan was his story about how he sat in that bookstore for six hours. Exactly. Do you guys remember that? Six hours of no conversation, of no interaction with the bookstore owner, who was this, you know, sort of head honcho community leader. He just literally sat there, watched her deal with her customers and build these relationships. And I, I actually pulled out this quote because I was so excited after hearing him. He says this thing, we need to learn how to be a different type of family mm. and how to open our minds about where we stand and what we think we know and be open to learning everything new. I think that's so beautiful, a different type of family, a different type of learning. Mm. And just I think just the presence, like you pointed out, Dave, was the biggest first step in building these new kinds of families and relationships and, and learnings. Yeah, this notion of presence and being mm. present for people cut across all of these, yeah. you know. And maybe that is the overall design principle. <laughs> design for presence. Design right? for presence. Yeah, I you, like that. You, know, just gotta, you gotta be there mm. uh, with people. And that's what people are, I mean, I guess what we're trying to do in all this is really kind of highlight the things we have to disrupt. And we disrupt them by intentionally designing for something else that actually you know, increases the possibility of us being able to be present for the other. Mm. And in some sense, I think that's what all this wow. does, right? Yeah. It's really if we pay attention to these. And, you know, some of you may just be joining us for the first time. Uh, we're talking as if you've been with us for the whole ride. And if you are just with us for the first time, we really appreciate it. But maybe I should just give a little recap. We keep talking about these principles. Yeah. And people may not know what we're talking about. Yeah, let's run totally. through them. Yeah, so the whole idea that we've been grounded on in this show is that realizing how just kind of complex our societies are now and how we actually really need to design and build kind of new infrastructures for our society, civic infrastructures and processes. But in order to do that in a way that really moves us forward and moves us to being ever more collective and connected together, we actually have to think of it as a purposeful design. So what we've been working on is these set of eight design principles that we think people should work with and apply as they're designing public engagement processes, as they're designing town halls, whatever they're doing, so that they're able to help us stitch together a new kind of civic infrastructure. Mm. You know, the idea is that what we have now is broken, 
and we actually have to then design something new. We're not going to do it as a master design. We're going to do it because people are going to be experimenting in big and small ways. But if they adhere to a set of principles, it might help us get to a better system. So there are these eight principles that we explored on this show. Uh, we had a guest around each one. Uh, the first one was design for the margins. Then there was design for healing. Analog versus digital. Right, design for collaboration, for network-based solutions, designing for equity, and designing for multiple forms of expression. You know, Those are all part of what we need to pay attention to as we're designing and creating new public engagement opportunities. And so we brought people who are doing this work from really different perspectives to kind of talk about their work and then to see how their work connects with those principles. So we weren't bringing people in because they do design for the margins. We brought them in because they were doing really powerful work of really creating spaces for people to be present. And we would listen to them and then they would engage with us about how what they're doing connects with what we're doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, something you brought up, Caesar. a lot of people don't see that the work that they're doing is designing for the margins or designing for mm -hmm. healing, et cetera. Because I think the nature of design looks or, or redesigning or rethinking community structures or participatory mechanisms is so different across industries and sectors and job descriptions. And I think a really powerful part of the experience of even naming this work is showing our listeners, showing each other almost, that there is such a range of people that take on these kinds of issues every single day that don't have a fancy title like civic designer. But the reality is that they are doing this really important work and slowly shifting the ways that we allow people to be present, to be authentic, to show their whole self in a space, and the way that we create spaces that allow for struggle, allow for tension, as opposed to, you know, isolating tension and, and removing it from the rest of the population and dividing and splintering our societies today. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just so excited to have these eight principles to kind of think off of and work off of, especially as we recap today. Yeah, and you know, in the midst of all that's going on in our society right now, you know, we hear this kind of media narrative out there about how bad things in our, how divisive things are, and how we need to be working to pull things together. And I think what you see and what is really constant in listening to these, you know, to our guests over this period of time is there are people doing this work. Mm -hmm. There are people that are holding this society together, mm -hmm. right? Despite all that stuff up there, there are folks doing really on the ground work in lots of different ways that are finding those ways to connect us. Mm -hmm. And they may not be connecting, each one may not be connecting everyone, mm -hmm. but the people they're working with, the events that they're doing, the meetings they're holding, are really demonstrating that it is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, And it's possible if you pay attention to everything. You know, And that's the thing that I think is so wonderful about some of the things that people have said. I, mean, I remember Wendell talking about this whole notion about you know, this whole idea, a town hall for venting. Mm -hmm. You know, just the notion of paying attention mm -hmm. to the fact that in order for people to show up and bring their full selves, sometimes people need to be able to scream and holler and be mad <laughs> and be seen that mm -hmm. they're mad. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that, then they can join us in finding solutions. But if we keep asking them to shut down their emotions, which as I'm sitting here saying this, Dave, this is like really a male thing, you know? Oh, yeah. 
Totally. This is a to shut down emotions. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, and Tell like, me about it. And we built it in. <laughs> and so we built it in all of our public participation stuff, right? Right. It's like right. Keep that stuff out of here. Right. It's also really interesting, I think. <laughs> who's being asked to bring their emotions right now, too? Mm. Like, if you mm. look at the Charlottesville, those crazy protests from last year, those people are bringing their emotions. They feel great coming to vent because they've mm. been welcomed mm. into that space to vent. And so we don't have any other space for any other group. It's just white men, come get angry because your freedoms <laughs> are being oppressed. That's it. You know, that's what it's interesting you say that. And I you know, this actually connects a lot to what Kenny says, mm -hmm. right? Because Kenny talked about this notion yeah. of, you know, these whole things of the Cirque, that we're in a social emergency. We need to create these spaces mm -hmm. that allow us to bring all of who we are mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. you know, and actually create and design these, what do you call them? Social emergency response centers. Mm -hmm. yes. Things that can pop up in neighborhoods that can contain the emotions and the rawness that people are feeling and at the same time feed them and provide spaces for them to heal their body and learn new things and that you can do all of that together and with people of all different types in the same space. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's not so much about, well, do people feel free to say what they want to say and vent? It's like, do we have a way of opening up that space in a way that people can say and emote what they're feeling and be heard mm -hmm. and then move forward? Mm. And it's not to emote to shut down other people, but mm -hmm. emote to express. Mm. And that's, you know, that's kind of like the difference between what happened with you know, all that stuff in Charlottesville. That was emoting to shut down mm -hmm. as opposed to emoting to say, this is how I'm feeling. I'm going to own it. It's me. Mm -hmm. I have it. There may be others who feel differently. Mm. But I don't think, and that's so, I mean, that's so beautifully put. I just, it's interesting because to your point, Emoting is a form of construction. I think emoting, you can emote to construct and to be constructive. Yes. But unfortunately, I, I can say only with my woman hat on that I often don't get that feedback, right? My emotions are often seen as frivolous or peripheral or besides the point mm -hmm. or a deviation from the point rather than constructing or validating the point. And I wonder kind of thinking about Wendell's idea of a town hall for healing and thinking about Kenny's idea of this like social emergency response centers and how we would deal with this community that's facing a, a state of social emergency, a state of splintered social infrastructure. You know, how, what does it look like to construct out of emotion? Mm -hmm. I mean, what does it look like to tell someone and this is hitting close to home for me, but you know, what does it tell, what does it look like to tell someone you're not being dramatic. You're not being over-emotional, quote-unquote, whatever that means. You know, what you're saying is a reflection of all that you've seen and all that you've had to process. And, like, thank you for taking the courage to express these things. Mm -hmm. Let's move forward together in a way that doesn't allow either of us to have to constantly negotiate this internal turmoil. Yeah. And I, I think about the sort of almost day-to-day -day practice of that, what that might look like. Mm. What it might feel like. Yeah, it's so hard, you know, because in some sense, we are trying to construct a set of behaviors and rules and instances and places for a society that's out of community, that's out of relationship. Wow. And we're trying to figure out how do we, how do we do that, right? Yeah. Sometimes we're even out of family. 
you know? And we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of years to know how to do it in community and family. But we haven't had that many years to figure out how to do it disconnected. Yeah. And how to reconnect. Yeah. You know, and it's something we're learning how to do. Yeah. And I feel like these design values are actually, in some way, an unlearning of a lot of the ways yeah. <laughs> we've taught, we've been taught, right, and myself included, to love within our spheres of care. Mm. Yeah. But once you step outside, like you said, out of community, and you're all of a sudden flush against shoulder to shoulder with people that are from a completely different background and mindset, how do you still not only allow and invite them to be authentic, but keep authentic yourself? Yeah. Mm. And honor the space together? And I feel like a lot of these Zen values are getting to the root of that. Hmm. That's a real challenge, though. But I think, I think that's exactly the challenge we're facing in this country for real. And I think it's true in other places in the world, too. But I think it's overly dramatic and real here in urban areas, for sure. <laughs> it's so funny, though, when we talk about the emotions thing, and it's, you know, I was thinking about Sabrina, right? Yes. Because Sabrina talks about this notion oh, of, of, of delight. Yes. You know, how do we actually create spaces of delight and let people connect to that emotional part of who they are, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, just, I just love this notion of thinking about <laughs> planning and the engagement with the city and the tough things that are out there, but doing it from a space of delight. Mm. It's just, it's almost like, what? What? Right. You know, that Is that the word that you really meant to Those things don't work together, <laughs> right? But they're making it work together. I mean, that's one of the things that's really powerful about her episode because, you know, she talks about how they're making that actually work. I love that. So much of, I feel like, the dialogue around planning and these kinds of topics that we're so often talking about is just about how can we make it functional? How can mm -hmm. we make it just <laughs> functional, period? That's our highest goal. Right. And when she brought in that concept of delight, it was like, oh, this is real. Like, there's a foundation here for something actually really <laughs> hopeful and beautiful and positive beyond just function, you know? Right. <laughs> like, oh, we're not trying to just get, like, a bare pass. Like, we're trying to aim for the A here. <laughs> right. Like, oh, wow, I didn't realize you were that kind of student ever. Right. <laughs> you know, he, he, we've been trying to, like, scrape along the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, and I think the way that she thinks about bringing delight as allowing there to be different types of ways of engagement, different types of listening, different types of communication is really cool because mm. – I don't know, when I think of, you know, what it means to bring delight as a government agency, if I were in her shoes, without having met her, I would have thought it looks kind of like, you know, uh, maybe being more friendly, you know, like <laughs> look wearing less suits. I don't know. I feel like it would be more like humanizing the agency. And I think that they did achieve that humanization, so to speak, but they did it in such a different way by you know, bringing housing structures and creating them inside the community yeah. to help people feel what it might look like to have this new development, right? They they engaged and listened in so many different ways, which is just such a powerful concept that as a as a better listener, you can actually bring delight to the people around you. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can tell you really like that one. That yeah, was... I, I'm so curious, Dave. What did you feel? What did you think you were getting into? Like <laughs> when um, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, before these episodes started and then after they kept kind of rolling out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like I started off when we were having our meetings before we kind of began this show. I think our first one, we talked about how do we build a better democracy? 
And I was like, I walked out of that mm. meeting just flying high. I was like, this is it. This is how we <laughs> fix everything. And as we started going through it, it was like, oh, we need to start way back. Before we start fixing what we have, we need mm. to start retraining our minds, right? At least I did. And when we kind of progressed onward, for me, it was like, so this work starts with me. A hundred percent. This work starts wow. with my internal view of how I enter into spaces, how mm. other people are entering into spaces and what I need to do to actually bring the best out of myself and others at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I think every single guest had done that work. Mm -hmm. Every single guest that we had in is like, not only they're in the process of still doing that work for themselves, but they're showing other people how to do it in such different and really profound ways. And I love just the diversity of thought and the diversity of areas where people are working on this. So for me, it was like, I started off flying high, we're going to fix everything. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, I have this really deep, really grounded foundation for hope, right? Like that's mm. what these principles have come to mean to me is like, mm. this is my foundation for hope that we can improve these systems that are so utterly broken and frustratingly. So there's hope there, you know? Oh, wow. That's really amazing. Oh, day. that's amazing to hear. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really so, I don't even know what the right word is affirming to hear you say that mm -hmm. because the last couple of weeks we've been talking in our production meetings and staff meetings about our goal being to bring hope yeah. to the world. That's what we're interested in. We're interested in how do you spread hope, that that's what we need. And then, and you haven't been part of those conversations. So then to have you say, <laughs> that's what you got, <laughs> that's right. pretty cool. Right. <laughs> you brought it. You brought the hope in the <laughs> And I, I really stuff. hope I'm... I'm <laughs> representing a lot of listeners here too because it's always what I walked out of the room feeling you know I got to sit in the corner for all these amazing conversations and mm. it was just such a pleasure mm. to be in that room I have to say oh can I turn that question back on you both and say where have you come after this season mm. because I think we all kind of started off on a different pages of what we'd hoped to achieve in this season and yeah I want to know where you're coming out yeah I mean I think you know walking in to the to the season I mean, I kind of want to contextualize, too. I think, you know, I was a first-semester grad student, had come from the working world from local government in Oakland, California. And I think a lot of my interest in doing this work was how to better understand what the front lines of democracy, like we used to call, you know, the maybe, you know, you're three to eight years into government, you feel like you don't really have much power in this behemoth, very red-taped organization, but you really hold close to your personal values and you want to understand how to bridge that personal value set with your professional work opportunities. And so coming in, I felt, you know, a tad disillusioned. I felt a tad in need of hope. But I also felt at a loss of what the sort of day-to-day -day of implementation, if you will, of personal values looks like. You know, how do you implement personal values in the work setting? Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult question to answer. And I've walked away with a very, the word humbled comes to mind. I feel very humbled. I feel very humbled because I think that what I've taken away from this season, from all these hours of recording and editing and talking to you know our team that's amazing and talking to obviously Caesar, you and Dave, is just that it's actually so much simpler than we make it out to be. It's so much easier than we mm -hmm. think. You know, I think 
I'm someone to hatch grand plans and and vision boards and God knows what other kinds of design thinking nonsense. And I actually think I've been humbled that the work I can do is really just sometimes as simple as making sure that everyone in the meeting feels at ease. Can everyone see each other? Mm. How is everyone feeling right now? Is this the best language for us to communicate in? Is the temperature okay? Should we move to a different location where there's more sunlight? I mean, it's honestly the simplest things to make people feel heard, feel comfortable, and as a result, create a space where people don't walk around with their sort of fists up to their face, like in defense, you know, like with boxing gloves yeah. on. They, The arms sort of lower and real conversations can begin to happen. And that starting point for me which I really do feel like is a starting point at the end of all these amazing hours of of interviews, has just been really incredibly powerful. Wow. I'm going to take a deep breath and kind of like meditate for a moment on this on this question yeah. because there's a lot swirling around. And, uh, and I'm also realizing, you know, truth be told, uh, I'm feeling a little weird as subject. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm... It's comfortable to sit here and talk with other people about what they're doing, but wow, to sit here and turn that mic on myself uh, or have it turned on me, it's a little a little bit well, different. You have to do this more often. Uh, no, please don't. Please don't. Spare me. Spare the world. Uh, <laughs> but I, I guess for me, we stumbled onto this idea of doing this podcast. It was actually not what we set out to do. And I'm really glad that we did because by saying we're going to do this, it really was, as you opened up, Aisha saying, it was a way for us to, to ground these ideas, to really see what happens when you put them out there. And then not just put them out there and say, oh, so-and-so kind of liked it and stuff, but to be in deep conversation with people about it mm-hmm. and have them bring what they know works and what they struggle with you know, in relationship to those things. And so for me, these, these principles and this, you know, were a starting point for something much bigger, mm. right? Really just opening up a set of conversations and relationships. So I think I came into it with a lot of uncertainty. Mm. I was really excited about some of the, you know, not some, all the people who were going to be able to talk. I mean, you know, what it's like to say, hey, uh, would you like to come on our podcast <laughs> series? <laughs> and people say, sure. And we go, really? <laughs> We really want to hang with you. <laughs> really? Can we find a time to do it? We know you're really busy. Yeah. When? Well, we have this slot. Sure, I'll be there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what that's the signal to me is how much people who are like engaged in this work don't have a platform to talk mm. about what they're doing. Mm. You know, a, a platform that's generous for them. One that you know that's about you said, holding what they're doing and the work that they're doing. So, yeah, for me, I think that's it. Just mm. being able to know by creating this space mm. and offering this opportunity, we've kind of created this, this new kind of space. But the other part of it is it's made me really rethink and think deeply about what we're trying to do in this work. You know, is it really the, the larger thing of bringing hope in the skill of presence, mm. you know, of, of the desire for presence? You know, is that what we're doing? Are we really able to say that we're looking at structures that actually are going to make it possible for people to build their muscle for democracy? Mm. 
we have a lot more in the future that we're planning on working on to Mm -hmm. kind of get at these questions and get at them in different ways because we have one way of thinking about this. And, you know, Ayush and I have one interaction of how to work with people and what would happen if they're, you know, some people are working with a different set of people and trying to get at those questions. I think what it's really set up for me is that there's a need and a desire for people who are doing the work out there to hear from each other Mm -hmm. because they want to listen to each other Mm -hmm. uh, and they want to learn from each other and that we might be able to facilitate some of that happening in a way that is easy and hopefully fun for people, Mm -hmm. fun for the people who are here that we're talking with and also for the people who are listening in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess coming out of this, I've gotten some intention. Yeah, that's you know mm. that this is not just oh we're doing a a podcast series, but no, we're actually I think we have the possibility of opening up some new space, creating spaces for others to be present. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about amplifying all of this amazing work that people are already taking on. But to your point, Caesar, you know, aren't able to take on in a way that they can hear the others they're taking it on Mm -hmm. in, you know, other companies next door to them, other industries and sectors next door. And, you know, what does it look like to all of a sudden have this sort of learning hub, this community of people that are able to discuss the way that they've been able to bring this unlearning, this presence, this, you know, designing for all kinds of equity and margins and healing in their own work, you know, sharing it with those around Mm -hmm. them. So we can create a culture. You know, this is that's the I think ultimate goal, right? Is to create this culture of, uh, you know, like authenticity and presence and and other ways of of welcoming others. Yeah, yeah. And really, just checking in and and, and challenging each other in some mm-hmm. ways too. You know, I love, you know, when Tao was here, we were talking with him, and we talked about the origins of our work and our name, yeah. mm-hmm. the move, and how we were going to, you know, this is going to be the Civic Design Network, <laughs> and he just went off on us about the word network. Network. And <laughs> And the problems with that. And so, you know, here's a guy from South Africa who's in a totally different context thinking about these issues and, you know, words that we easily sit with. And and he basically interrogated that word for us and what it means and what it doesn't mean and how we need to think about these connections between human beings in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And so we scrapped the word network. (laughs) But it was interesting because... That was until Curtis came back on. Yep. And then Curtis, you know, brought the word back. Yep. And what I think what you realize is but Curtis has a very specific way of thinking about network. He mm-hmm. doesn't just use the word. Mm-hmm. He's using it as a way to talk about the efforts of people to come together across really different viewpoints Mm -hmm. and different positions around an issue, you know, like food systems he's working Mm -hmm. in, right? And to do the work of understanding each other, to do the work of clarifying some set of values Mm -hmm. and then supporting each other to act in the way they need to act Mm -hmm. to make that real. Mm -hmm. So that's a very specific notion of what he means by network. But what, you know, Tao was reacting to was not that specific notion. Right but about this idea of how we think networks themselves will solve something without dealing with some underlying structures exactly. and things that are in place. Exactly. I think I think that's the key for me is that underlying nature of it, right? Like, I don't think it's often that we take 
a word like network, for example, <laughs> and begin to deconstruct and kind of peel away onion layers and figure out, but what's the first order question here? Yeah. You know, what's the underlying root of this? And, you know, in the case of networks for Curtis, it was this sort of root structure. It was this permaculture. It was sustainable agriculture. It was, yeah. you know, relating human networks to other kinds of biological flora and fauna networks right. that help contextualize the ways in which human communities, like plant communities, base themselves in specific ways yeah. that need to be respected and amplified, right? And yes. and watered and given sunlight, et cetera, and can't be just uprooted, yes. whether it be via urban renewal or whether it be other kinds of, you know, interactions and interventions. And I think this sort of, like, underlying question, I, I actually remember distinctly in Danielle's work as well. You know, Danielle had this amazing conversation about working in equity, racial planning for the SF Urban Planning Commission. And she brought up this really interesting example of a co-worker's conversation about why she doesn't bike to work. Yes. Right? And I thought it was so fascinating because it's really easy to jump to quick responses like, you know, whether it be race or gender or safety or whatnot, right? Medical, et cetera. And instead... Danielle decided to take a step back, <laughs> sit down with her coworker, and actually talk about ways that people express themselves. Yeah. Right? And that was so powerful to me because it's, you know, not just throwing out simple words, whether it be race or equity or network or whatever, but actually digging into the sort of first order nature of what these issues and concerns that we've simplified linguistically yes. really mean. Yeah, and that example is a great one, too, because but it also illustrated how sometimes even people who are working on these issues to try to improve the society and they're working on a set of core values kind of latch onto particular ideas without really thinking about what blocks they put in for other people, why mm-hmm. other people may not be responding, and then start to make judgments about right. those other people, right? <laughs> right? Because, you know, you have a sense that, like, well, Biking is good for the environment. Less cars are good. Oh, you're not biking. Does that mean you don't care? About the environment? The environment. But that's not the (laughs) equation. The equation is biking works under certain circumstances for certain people, under certain conditions at certain times, and not all. Mm. And then if you're not that, what do you have? What do you do? What are the ways in which you're acting? And Mm -hmm. I was in this meeting the other day, and I actually said this to people. I said, there's a way I wish we could bring a sense of grace back to our public life. Mm. Wow. wow. You know, that we could just relax with each other a little bit and not take everything so serious. Mm. That we could just step back, as Danielle did in that conversation, and then open up in another way yeah. to people and open them up in another way. But that yeah. takes time and it takes commitment yeah. to, to do that. But that sense of being able to let me show you Mm-hmm. how what you've done or what you've said or what you're proposing, what it means to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's right. I just want you to understand it mm-hmm. from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the question that comes to mind is like, how do you get to know what you don't know? <laughs> right? The ultimate question. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's effectively, it sometimes to me feels like the impossible burden, right? It's, I'm not going to know who I'm hurting until it might be too late. Right. And it's hard to sit with that sort of ugly reality of each of our behavior, of my own behavior. 
But at the same time, there is a sense of, well, if we've come to accept that, if we recognize that, then there are ways that we can open the door for each other. Yes. Right? And I find from these conversations that digging into these sort of underlying roots of commonly thrown out words like gentrification or whatnot, you know, equity, diving into the roots of them really helps solve half that problem hmm. because it opens the door in a way where people are more willing to listen yes. and more willing to, to respond in, and have a healthy conversation as opposed to kind of throw up their guard. Yeah. Really, really true. Really true. You know, like for those of you who are just joining us, I hope you have some opportunity over the next month or so as we're preparing the next season to go back and listen to the other shows. I think you'll find them really exciting and heartwarming. They're really profound and really good stuff. And we would just love to get your feedback anytime. Yes. Send us your thoughts. Send us your, your thoughts. Your concerns, your you can, feedback, your love. <laughs> you can jump on our website at themove.mit.edu. You can send us a tweet at... The Move, MIT. <laughs> and, yeah, and Dave, I just want to say thank you so much for guiding us through this. Thank you guys both for being my favorite co-hosts. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if any of my other clients are listening. But <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell them. And Ayushi, thank you so much for oh, this show. It's been really, it's been you, great. Thank you, Caesar. You know, jumping into this as an experiment together. You know, it really has been amazing. Thank you for for finding me out of the blue and trusting <laughs> me with being your co-host. It's been amazing, an amazing experience. Yeah, this has been great. Well, I'm Caesar McDowell, and signing off for this season of The Move. It's been a pleasure to speak with you all. Please keep following us at The Move MIT on all of our various channels. I'm Ayushi Roy. Thanks for listening. Thank you.